0: Welcome to Lighthouse 805 Podcast. We hope you enjoy this episode practically perfect in every way. Well, good morning. I'm glad you made it today. I'm glad you're listening online. Uh, one, of, one of the funny things about Ventura is whenever there's like more than four clouds in the sky, um, it's, it's uh, what is it called? The weather watch? Storm watch? Storm watch. So I saw a leaf blow by today, so picking up. <laughs> it's, it's getting crazy, guys. <laughs> um, t- alerts. Alert. The tree might blow back and forth a little bit. Um, today, we have, it's another one of those Holy Spirit prompted messages. And it actually builds on last week's message. Last week was living out your faith. And this week is practically perfect in every way. Now, some of you guys have seen Mary Poppins. Um, It's the title of today's message, and I'm excited. I'm kind of already excited for like three sermon series from now. I get I get amped up like way too far in advance, and yeah, I do. (laughs) And I'm already like, we have a new sermon series starting next week, and then there's another one, and then there's another, and then it's like there's this other one coming up. I'm already like super excited for. It's hard. It's hard, guys. Um. <laughs> I love this. Uh, in prepping for today, God led me to the word "telios." Everyone say "telios," okay. Not tell someone off. "Telios," <clears throat> It's a Greek word, and it, it means it's finished. It's completely done. It's, it's over. That's it. Um, and it, it, we get this word, and it's littered throughout the, the New Testament, but where it's kind of like the most famous instance of teleos is when Jesus is on the cross, and it's the, the last thing he says. He says, it is finished. He says, it is teleos, meaning it's complete, it's, it's over. And, and referencing people who are standing before Jesus will go, oh, that means he's dead. Teleos, it's completely finished. But what's really happening is Jesus saying, no, death, hell, and the grave. It's done now. And then he gives up his spirit, and he raised from the grave. It's really interesting. He says, it's finished, teleos. It's completely done. And what's kind of ironic about this, we know that God likes to just be a genius. Um, do you know there's a word meaning that means completely over. It means fullness or done. It's the, it's the number seven. And Jesus said seven things on the cross, and it just so happened the seventh thing he said was, it is teleos. And Jesus is like, let me just make sure you extra, extra understand how done these things that you are facing are over. Sin, hell, death, everything is completed. And it's interesting because at times we feel like, you know what, maybe I'm not good enough. Maybe my life isn't perfect. Maybe these things are still happening, and it doesn't feel like it's done Maybe Jesus needs to get back up on the cross and try again. And in reality, he said, no, you are good. You are perfect because I have made you this way. You're just learning and growing in all these things. And so I, I want us to understand the concept of we're all a little bit Mary Poppins, okay? We're all practically perfect in every way. And, and if we understand that, what would we, how would we live our lives differently? we start gaining more confidence. We start stepping out more. We start accepting ourselves. We start loving ourselves more and understanding that God made us this way and and we can can be that. What's kind of interesting about this word teleos is it's kind of woven throughout the New Testament around three concepts, love, fear, and faith. And it's really kind of interesting because those are the three things that typically we wrestle with the most, love, fear, and faith. They're kind of the boiled down mega concepts of every believer's life, love, fear, and faith. And so jumping into these three, I want to start with love. Number one, perfect love, perfect love. In 1 John 2.5, it says, But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. That is how we know we are living in him. If you have your Bible open, the word complete or finished or whatever that word is in your Bible is actually "telios," And it's interesting. It says, but those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. How teleos your love is towards God, how complete it is, how full it is, is what your actions are, are doing this is how we know we are living in him. See, Jesus enabled us to have this perfect telios love with him because of what he did. But the question is, sometimes I don't feel that way. It's like, well, I don't feel like I, I, I'm, I'm madly in love with God today because this is what's happening. And it's okay to be frustrated with God But the idea is you're wrestling with that. You're trying to grow it. I I came across, across this quote. It says Every day is made up of hundreds of little moments that are opportunities to love God. And every single opportunity matters. When loving moments are strung together, they form days. And when loving days are strung together, they become months. And when loving months are strung together, they stretch into years. And over time, years of love for God make up one extra, no, extraordinary love story. Th- that's really what it is. It's not just about saying, you know what, God, I did this one thing really awesome once, so I'm good to go. <laughs> like, our love for God is not a checkbox that happens. It's, it's this moments that string together. I was at, uh, I was at a, a funeral once, and the, the pastor was speaking, and he, he said, okay, everyone look at the tombstone, and everyone looks at it, and he's like, what's the most important thing on the tombstone, and so we start looking, and, and in my mind, I'm, I'm not going to answer, because I know it's going to be a trick question, because pastors always do that, and so I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, probably the quote is, you know, beloved um, husband and father and blah, 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 and you know, it goes on and gives this quote, I'm like, it's got to be that, and then there's some dates there, and there's a quote, and that's the, you know, it's cut, I'm like, well, what else could it be? And he goes, it's, it's the most smallest thing on the tombstone, the super insignificant. It's the, it's the little dash. Because that dash represents every moment in your life from the moment you're born to the moment you die. That dash represents your life. And your life are just a ton of moments strung together. So h- how, how are you living your moments out? If, if you mess up in one moment, that's okay. Another moment's coming up. And I think one of the greatest lies that the enemy can give us is, you messed up, you're no good, don't even try again. Because the enemy's like, if I can just get them to stop trying, because I know they'll probably get the rest of them. Let me just try to convince them to stop trying. No. It's about keep going. There are moments. You mess up, you do something dumb, brush it off, and just keep on going. Just pull a dory. Just keep swimming. (laughs) Your life is a love story comprised of moments. So number one, perfect love. A, pulling out of this verse, it's are you listening? But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love him. Obey God's words. We can't obey if we don't hear. The first aspect of, of knowing God's love and the first aspect of loving is, is are you listening? H- have you ever been in a relationship and how, how great or how poorly does that relationship go if you don't listen to the other person whatsoever? Not great. Right, babe? If I stop listening to you, <laughs> we've had those conversations. You're not even listening to me right now. You just heard the first word and started doing something. <laughs> are you listening? First aspect of God's love is we got to make sure we hear. We got to listen through prayer. Got to crack open our Bible every once in a while. We got to listen to people that love us and that they give us words of wisdom. And we're like, man, that is so true. That is so absolutely God's, what he's speaking right now. B, are you obeying? It's one thing to hear what, you know, it's, like, it's like that conscious voice inside of you and it's like, oh, that's the right thing to do. But it's hard and I don't want to. Second aspect is like, are you obeying what God is calling you to do? I'm, I'm guilty of that. There's been times I'm like, that's really hard and I don't have time for that. And then later on I look back, I'm like, I should have just done what God said. It would have been so much better. Okay, it, we, we've all done it, okay? And if you haven't, Let's look at C if you haven't, okay? <laughs> C is mirror check. That was a good segue right there. That was the best segue I've ever had in preaching. Mirror check. I love it. Go back to the verse. Ready? The, the second sentence in the verse. That is how we know we are loving in Him. It's, it, the verse, it, it, it almost reads like it should be, and that's how others know we love God. No, it says, that's how we know. We love him. It's a mirror check. God says, when you obey me and you listen to me, you will know that you love me. A mirror check. Do you know what happens when you look in the mirror? It was really hard because I'm preaching another message similar on this one point and I can't pull too many of my notes because I'll just be preaching two sermons in a row. (laughs) Mirror check. When it comes to love, I almost and willing to wager, it's not as hard to love God as it is to love ourselves. Because we can read everything, we know everything that goes on, we know all the things that are happening in our mind, we know, we know all it all. And sometimes we, we project our own feelings of love of ourselves of how God views us. And it gets really hard. It's like, oh, I, I don't think I'm good enough, I don't think I'm pretty enough, I don't think all these things. Surely that's how God sees me too. No, it's not. That's how you see yourself, and God's saying, no, I need you to step up here with me and see yourself how I see you. When there's negative thoughts about how you see yourself, those are just lies. Throw it down. I want to say, sometimes mirrors they're hard to look at because it shows how we truly think. And it's, it's, it's almost easier. Ha, have, you ever, have you ever come across like a bully or someone that's just, you know, just not in grade school, but like modern day? <laughs> like, like adult bullying? What is that? Mirror check. Sometimes they would rather pick on you because they would rather, they see you and all the good things that you are. And they look at all your highlight reels and they're jealous, and they'd rather pick on you to pull you down to their own level because they have such a hard time looking at themselves. And it's only an indicator there's so many of us that have such a hard time looking at who we really are. God died on the cross, and He said, It's finished. Your past, your history, your frustrations, your sorrow, your sin, it's done. Stop reflecting on that and dwelling on it. It's only distracting you from what God wants to truly show you. It's over. Number two, fear kind of funny because you'd think, oh, I'm going to read about the Bible and then I'm going to look at teleos and what it represents and how it intertwines throughout the whole Bible and it's going to be this like lovey-dovey, joy, peace, hope, love, you know, all this kind of stuff. But then teleos is intertwined through fear too, which is kind of perplexing because it's like all these positives and you look at fear and you're like, well, that's a negative. Why is Jesus talking about fear and teleos? I don't get it. So in First John four seventeen through eighteen. Says this this way love has run the course, oops this way love has the run of the house, becomes at home and mature in us, so that we're free of worry on judgment day. Our standing in the world is identical with Christ. There is no room in love for fear. Well formed that's teleos. Love banishes fear. Since fear is crippling, a fearful life, fear of death, fear of judgment, is one not yet fully formed in love. Again, this talks about love, but it's also combating fear. It's really interesting because the the order goes love, fear, faith. It's kind of like this life cycle between us. We get more in love with God, which causes us to want to do more action items, more things and live our life in faith, But then fear comes in the middle between love and faith. It's kind of like this roadblock, and it it takes its face of different looks. Fear is what ends love and prevents faith, if you let it. I'm excited to read this one book. I I read the synopsis, so I can't speak too much into it yet, but I love the story, and so I'm really excited to read the book, so I'll give more on the book later on. But the whole concept is, the book title is Canoeing the Mountains, which is kind of funny, because you're like, I don't want to canoe the mountains. <laughs> it's like, I want to be in a river. In the, in the Lewis and Clark journey, do you know their, their, their thought process was, I can jump in a stream and canoe to the ocean, except for there was a mountain in the way, and they have to go over the mountain. And then now they have canoes, and they're on a mountain. <laughs> so it's like, you have to figure out, Well, now there's an obstacle and now the tool that I have is almost more challenging to use and now I'm stuck on this roadblock. And that's kind of what fear is. It it, it can let you, you know what, I've I've just been going up and up and up this mountain and now it's hard. It would be really easy just to jump in my canoe and go back to where I came. And I feel like that's sometimes our faith life. We can keep going forward because once you hit the top of the mountain, you have everything you need to go back down and head towards where God is, has you going after. Sometimes mountain experiences are not just to frustrate us and annoy us. They're to challenge us and grow us. You, you have all the tools you need, and sometimes they can be hindrances, but you have to look at them. God gave me this for a reason. I just don't know the appropriate moment to use this yet. It would have been really easy on their journey to say, well, now we're going on mountains. We don't need this canoe. Let's get rid of it. But that was instrumental to getting them the last leg through there. So number two, purged fear. Purged fear. I want to look at the three symptoms um, that masquerade as fear, if you will. So in, in the scripture, it lists out three types of fear. A is worry worry no no one deals with worry right <laughs> not, at all. not at all what what's the saying sometimes i worry just about worrying that i'll worry or you know it's like it's like you know some people just get so worked up on worry like what if this happens what if this happens what if this happens what if the and there's like a million things and it's like well i think god can deal with that and i'll just step forward That's 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 what we have to do. And it can be really scary. Worry is such a big symptom of fear. And God is saying, "Telios, it's done. If If you trust me and you love me enough, your worry, you can overcome it. And God's saying, place more faith, more love in me than the worry you have, and you can navigate this, this environment. You can navigate this situation. B, the second type of fear is fear of death. Another way of looking at that is not just wh- what happens when I die. That's, that's kind of like a very niche aspect. But fear of destruction, fear of failure, fear of what if I crash and burn on this? What if it feels so bad it feels like I die in this situation? What happens if I step out and it utterly crashes and burns? That's the type of fear on this. Okay, it's another form of worry is one aspect, but this is fear of death, fear of absolute failure. And God's saying, no, it's finished. I have the victory I have everything, it's done, it's over, love me, just that's it. And see, the third aspect of fear in this, in this scripture is fear of judgment. This is, this is another symptom of what can, when we start loving God, and it's a giant roadblock be- before we take faith actions, it's this fear of judgment. Well, what happens, what are they going to think about me? well, who cares? It's what God thinks about you. That's, that's what we have to go. Well, you don't understand. That's, that's, that's a family member. Well, no, you don't understand. <laughs> what do you think eternity is going to be? We're all going to be praising Jesus together for all of eternity. This is such a minute moment in time. And if we get this perspective, all of a sudden this fear of judgment will be lifted off of us. Yeah, it can be overwhelming if we let it be, but the only person that's letting it be overwhelming is you. It's that mirror aspect again. When it comes down to it, it really doesn't matter. And when people are judging you, it's because they're judging themselves so much more. And by you stepping out in faith and them seeing it, it actually will encourage them to step out in their faith too. Words Jesus spoke on the cross are actually a combatant to fear. Next time you have worry or fear of failure or fear of judgment, just say what Jesus said. It's finished. Uh, This is not going to plague my mindset anymore. It is finished. It's over. It's done. And number three, we're moving to the last point. Uh, in, in pastor college, you learn that if you say, when you're moving to the last point, everyone starts paying attention again. Oh, it's the last. <laughs> Tell me more about the last point. <laughs> Number three, perfecting faith. See, so you, have, you have love, then you have fear, the roadblock, but then you have faith, which is just love in action. Faith. Hebrews eleven thirty nine through 40 says, not one of these people, even though their lives of faith were exemplary, literally, just pretend I said that right, got their hands on what was promised. They didn't get their hands on what was promised, even though their faith was the best. This is a chapter in Hebrews listing out all the crazy faith moments in time. When Abraham left everything, he had this faith. When Paul left everything and he had this faith, it was all these faith moments, and then all of a sudden the author says, but none of these people got what they fully were promised and they still have faith. It's like, wait, what? I'm doing this because you promised me something, and I want my prize, Jesus. <laughs> give, give me the claw machine gift of what your promise is right now. And I think that's where we can miss it when we have a relationship with God. God is not a prize dispenser. He's not Santa Claus. And then the author finishes out this, the verse with, God had a better plan for us that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. This is is crazy because in reality, God's saying, listen, I know I'm promising you these things, but the actual real gift, the actual greatest promise I can ever give you is what happens when their faith reaches your faith. The thing that you've been praying for for so long is actually not as good as when your faith intertwines with someone else's faith. It's what the kingdom of God is built on. So perfecting our faith, how do, how do, we, how do we live this out and not just get frustrated? A, clear goal. Have you ever had like a boss or someone or a supervisor or a, like a, a CO above you and there's just not a clear goal, you're just going after it, and you're just like, so what are we doing here? (laughs) we got to have clear goals. Is your goal your goal or God's goal? Because if your goal is whatever it is that you cooped up and and cooked together inside your mind of like, well, when this happens and this happens this happens, that's it. That's my faith goal. Well, you might get disappointed a little bit. Because we have to have God's goal in mind. You will always be disappointed if you ask God for a thing. Then open your eyes midway the prayer to see if you got it. God, I'm just praying for this Lamborghini to show, show up, and then I want, want an airplane. Uh, okay. <laughs> you know, it's like, is it God's goal or your goal? Because God's goal is that your faith intertwines with someone else's faith. The moment we can start believing for God's will to be done and not our own will is the moment we stop getting knocked down over and over by disappointment. I think this is, if more young people caught this, we would have more retention from when kids go from high school to college. One of the greatest uh, demographics that leave the church permanently is high school kids going into college and young adults and a lot of it is this concept. Because they make some kind of bargain with God, and then they're let down when they don't see that bargain come up, and they're like, oh, God doesn't love me. I'm out. Right. And it's like, well, God's not Santa Claus. And if, if we could somehow convey the end goal is saying when our faith comes together, that's it. B. B. That's real specific on this one, community. That our faith, that their faith and our faith would come together to make one completed whole. Their lives of faith not complete apart from ours. I like how God says the same thing two times in a row, just a little bit differently. He's like, are you getting this? I need to say it twice. I can't relate as a parent, not at all. I, like, seeing, seeing a small child and, like, trying to communicate to a child and help them understand what you're trying to get them to understand. I'm like, this is how God must feel to me sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, okay, God, I get it. Kind of. B, community. The goal, according to God, was that two faiths would intertwine. Our, our church vision, as we're rolling it out, is all about this. It's just aiding in, in our faiths coming together. What's, what's the saying? When one or less people come together, they become... So just, two or three, one or less people come together. When two or three gather, what is it? When two or three gather... We need to practice that verse. (laughs) Everyone's like, "Uh, uh, I don't know. (laughs) We're coming back to that next series. (laughs) Community. It is so critical that we live in community. It's so funny. There's not a whole lot of stories about a person leaving community and thriving from it. Um, Jonah is a very prime example Jonah left this community, and then he sat on a tree and said, that's it, I'm done. And God said, all right, you want to live like that? And he deals with them. Community. And the last aspect under uh, perfecting faith is consistency. Having an awesome moment where our faith is felt full will not sustain us indefinitely. Have you ever had those moments where all of a sudden it's like the stars align, Jesus showed up, you said what it was, and all of a sudden you're like, yes, this is it. This is the best feeling in the world. God showed up, it happened, you know, whatever. And then all of a sudden it's like the next day and you're like, remember yesterday when it was so awesome? <laughs> and then like four weeks go by and you're like, man, this is miserable. It, it's not about that, it's about consistency. It's about saying, God, when something is awesome and when something is not awesome, I'm still going to have faith, no matter what. When things are good, when things are bad, I'm still going to listen and I'm still going to obey. Your your faith cannot be based on your emotional state you're in. You will be disappointed every time. I, I promise you. consistency. Let's go ahead and pray. God, you made us perfected through the cross. It might not feel like it. It might not look like it, but you said it is. Lord, I pray that we would navigate our lives starting in love with you and overcome the obstacles and mountains known as fear and step out into action known as faith. I pray that we would not be stuck in the questioning your love forever. God, the moment that we start seeing fear, we start questioning love, but I pray that we would step beyond that and actually step out in faith because that's where the crazy, cool, awesome things happen. That's where we get all these amazing stories in the Bible. That's where we start getting testimonies. That's where we start seeing lives changed. When our faith interacts with someone else's faith, crazy things happen. God, I pray that as our church starts ramping up into the the vision, that we start seeing this. We wouldn't be satisfied with just sitting alone and isolated and loving you, halted by fear. Let us overcome anything that we face. Because we know you said, it is finished. And we can bank on that, God. In your mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about us, other episodes, and opportunities to give, visit us at lighthouse805.com.